Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Guys Fantasy Football Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Tim Goins, along with Eric Calvert and Adam Dolan, and we are the Dynasty Guys. Hey, we're six weeks into the 2019 NFL season. What's the most interesting thing you guys are seeing so far? All right, I'm going to start with a very heartbreaking story that I'm sure has happened to others out there in the fantasy football world. So I'm playing in a league last week, and it's an NFL league, so our defenses are set up to where you start with 18 points or so, or I think it's 18, and you lose or you lose points for yards. So every 100 yards, you lose three points or whatever, and then for points also. So I'm up by, or I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm down by a point. And I've got, or he has the Detroit Lions, or the Green Bay Packers defense. So I don't know if you knew how many yards that uh, the Lions ended up with on offense, but it was 299. And I'm going to remind people, if they didn't get to watch the game, at the very end of the game, Green Bay has the ball, third down and goal, or third and eight or whatever, and they call a hands-to-the-face penalty on the defensive line. And it extends the game, lets them kick a field goal to end the game. So right there, I knew watching the game, if they hold them right here, to kick a field goal, Detroit's going to get one yard and I'm going to win this game. And all of a sudden, the refs screw me out of my fantasy victory. So I just had to tell that story for all of you people that suffer from week to week because of the refs. So I should have beat him anyway, but it was very tragic. It's 100% the It was spot. absolutely tragic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, was Eric, un- it was unfortunate. I brought that up last week about the challenging of the pass interference, but you know we were talking... I. I was nervous that when we first had that introduced into the NFL that it's going to open Pandora's box. I mean, why can't Detroit now say, well, that play literally lost us the football game. I mean, that play didn't give us a possession at the end of the game. Well, the thing is, it wasn't that play. It was four plays. Right. I mean, it was incredible. Right, but you can point to one direct play. Yeah. Say this is absolutely not, and you know Booger McFarlane or whoever that guy on on Monday night was was obviously right saying that that's clearly not a penalty, and, yeah. and if challenged, that wouldn't have been a flag, and it probably would have changed the game. So I just mean you can directly point yeah. at that, and I that's what I hate about the new challenge rule. So anyway, but off my uh, soapbox. Yeah, we'll I'm, need to, I'm still bitter about it. Need to underlie some uh, sad violin. Yes, there. well, <laughs> I'm glad my wife is a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the thing I just kind of want to talk about the struggling Rams offense, and really what it comes down to is the strong, struggling offensive line. Um, Evan Silva put out this tweet of their starting lineman. So their left tackle is their best lineman, and he is ranked 32 out of 75. Their left guard is 76 out of 77. The center is 31 out of 33. The right guard is 72 out of 77, and the right tackle is 74 out of 75. They basically have the worst offensive line in the league. And what's interesting is if you look at the last uh, three games, Goff has only been sacked six times, and four of those were against the 49ers last week. So you keep hearing this talk about McVay and the Rams seem to have lost something, and maybe he's not quite that offensive mind that people were expecting You know, after what he's done in the past. And I might argue the opposite with how bad this line is that they haven't just completely imploded. I think they're actually doing pretty well. Um, it will be interesting to see as the week or as the year goes on if Goff can you know get a little bit more protection. Maybe they can do some stunts to make that line a little bit better. But that's a lot of the reason why Goff has been struggling recently is that line is really bad and for whatever reason it hasn't had the publicity that the lines of you know the bucks or you know the The texans the Bengals, all those people seem to be getting when from the looks of these numbers this has to be the worst line in the nfl right so i thought that was pretty interesting interesting. yeah 
So I noticed the Dolphins went for two at the end of the game with the Redskins. So do you guys think that they were actually uh, trying to win it, or were they raising the odds to try to lose it? Well, I think they were trying to win it. I know that the talk is, the theory is they're trying to lose, but why do you make a quarterback change in the middle of the game if you're not trying to win? I mean, that's my only theory. I mean, I we see it a lot where they go for two at the end of the game. When you're struggling and you do not want it to go into overtime, you just don't feel like you have the better squad out there. So. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I think they were trying to win it, but I think they probably have the attitude of, eh, whatever <laughs> yeah. happens, happens. If we yeah. win, cool. It if we lose, matter. not that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. Another uh, interesting thing that I noted was uh, Terry McLaurin. I actually listed him uh, last week as a cautionary tale to play because I really felt like with the change of coaching there, he was going to get fewer looks, you know, less production. And I was right on the fewer looks. You know. And you were right about Adrian. Yeah, fourteen and, and a half. And Adrian, Adrian had a good had a good week. Um, what I wasn't expecting was for McLaren to catch four balls for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Yep, <laughs> that's pretty productive. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think he's pretty safe going forward. Even if he did half of that, I think you'd be happy. So right. and that's um, no anomaly. I mean, so, he has no, been yeah. he's been good great. all year long. Yeah, he's been great. The other thing that I found, I've, or I have found interesting, and it's built up to this, is Kyle Allen's production. I mean, he's he's won four consecutive starts. He has a sixty-five percent completion rate, nine hundred yards, with seven touchdowns, no interceptions. And if you add his one start in last year, he's five and zero in his last five starts. So if you're the coach of the Panthers, I mean, we know we hear talk of Cam coming back, and I think it's still kind of iffy if they're thinking about playing him. I mean, what would you do if Cam's healthy? Do you put him in? Do you I I would uh, not put him in. I mean, when you're on a winning streak of uh, there are four in a row this year, I don't see and you know let's say it's six and zero or seven and zero by the time that Cam comes that they can maintain this streak. I don't see how you can break up that uh, the way that team is gelling. Yeah, just because your quarterback that has done well in the past is back. Um, yeah. Cam Newton hasn't looked good in three years, and I know a lot of it is health related, but. He keeps coming back saying he's healthy, and clearly he's not. So if he comes back and says he's healthy and he looks bad again, is he really healthy or is he injured? And to me, I think you have to continue with the hot hand, which is similar to the uh, Dak Romo situation. Right. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. But I will say there will always be that what if in your mind. I still have that what if. What if Romo were still there? So yeah. I definitely think that the right decision was for Dak to move forward and for Kyle Allen to move forward. I think that's the right choice as the team. But I will say that I'm sure fans and ownership are always going to have that thought, well, a healthy Cam Newton could mean a lot yeah. more to my, our football team. He could. It's It'll be interesting. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No. Finish. I was just going to say it's going to be interesting to see how Ron Rivera handles the press because normally with this kind of stuff, he gets all bent out of shape <laughs> instantly. So right. we'll see what he does. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's what uh, we found interesting so far. So we're going to get started with the rest of the show. We have a great show for you today. Um, We have injury updates, roster moves, trade targets, player projections for your dynasty team. And last but not least, uh, we're going to finish with our player projection segment called the good, the bad, and the ugly. So stay with us. But first, we want to remind you that for this upcoming week of the NFL season, the Carolina Panthers, Cleveland Browns, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are all on by. Um, So there, and also there's no early games in England this Sunday, so... Uh, we don't have to worry about getting up early and and finding a, you know any uh, injury updates or anything to your players. But 
We do have a Chiefs Bronco games on Thursday night, so be sure and get your players ready for that game. Uh, remember, always remember on the early games, whether it's an early Thursday, I mean a Thursday game or an early Sunday game, put those players in any positions other than your flex. Leave your flex available to make those changes at the last minute, you know, if there's injuries or substitutions or anything like that that, uh, that come up. So anyway, let's get on with the show. We're going to start with the injury report and roster moves. Eric, why don't you get us kicked off? All right, so as always, we're going to start with the Rams. Um, it's a bad week to be a Rams running back, apparently. Malcolm Brown did not practice. And I want to say this is uh, Wednesday afternoon. Most of the data we have is from, or it's Thursday afternoon. Most of the data we have is from Wednesday's practice. So right. keep that in mind if things change. You know, that's because of when we recorded this. Um, so Malcolm Brown did not practice Wednesday, and Todd Gurley had a limited practice Wednesday. And they're saying that he has a chance to play in week seven. I don't know what that chance is. I think it's kind of unlikely based off of the way that things have looked and kind of the talk going around camp. And if that is the case, Daryl Henderson is going to be a great start this week. Um, a lot of people picked him up pretty early in their rookie drafts, so this could be the time that he actually gets a chance. And if they're both out, if Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley are both out, I think you can start him this week with confidence against the Falcons. I hope you're right. I have Daryl Henderson in our league of record, and I have seven players on bye and one injured, so I need a running back. All right, there you go. <laughs> so. Well, and, and just a tidbit to add about him, I think he's a great trade target in a dynasty fashion. I mean, I, we had talked about this before with Todd Gurley's injury, but it's not one of those, it's not like a soft tissue type injury. It's more of a a knee arthritis type injury yeah. that as the season goes on, those things don't get better. I know no injury gets better as you move on, yeah. but this is one of those almost degenerative type diseases. Well, it never gets better, right. even in off season. And it's just one of those things to where nobody knew how his body was going to react week after week after week and how he was going to recover. And I think that from what we're seeing now, it's a good sign that it's a bad sign for the Todd Gurley owner, yeah. a good sign for the Henderson owner. So I think it's somebody, if you can go out and get them cheap before he starts to basically take over that role, even if he shares it with Brown. I think that he's definitely a startable target or yeah. definitely a good target. Well, they definitely here. utilized him more in the passing game, which was in, was good to yeah. see last week. So I hope they can continue to do that. Well, I well. think they're going to have to because, as we just talked about, their line is terrible. So right. you kind of have to get rid of the ball quickly most of the time. Um, so. Screen, screen, screen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Uh, the Cardinals, Christian Kirk still uh, – Really, I don't think he even has a chance of playing what they're saying. He's, he's closer than last week. Well, that doesn't really tell us anything, but he hasn't practiced. I would expect him to be out. And David Johnson did not practice on Wednesday with an ankle injury. So monitor that. He's had a lot of nagging injuries and seems to play through them so far, but just keep an eye on it. And again, it seems like I say this every week, but if Chase Edmonds is available, pick him up because... He just looks good, too. Oh yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, they both had some good production this oh, yeah. last week. So and they're I think starting to do, They're starting yeah. to do two running back sets with them, yeah. Yeah. where it's not one or the other. I saw them out there a lot together, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. For sure. Um, okay, the Seahawks. Rashad Penny is questionable. What's new? Rashad Penny's always questionable. Um... I don't know that it matters either way because you can't start him and you're starting Chris Carson. So just throwing that out there. Um, and then the big news out of the Seahawks camp is Will Disley is out for the season with a ruptured Achilles. Um, Tim, the tight end reaper strikes again maybe there. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't touch him. Okay. It, I yeah. wanted to pick him up. Actually, but, nobody touched you know, him on yeah. his interview. It That's, was a non-contact injury. Yeah. So. That's sad, though, because he yeah. really it looked like he sad. was coming on. Oh, yeah. yeah, And, you know, we kind of had this conversation uh, earlier, Adam and I did. If someone drops him, he's worth holding on to, in my opinion, Absolutely. in the Dynasty League. 
pick him up for hopefully cheap and hold on to him through this injury. It's going to be all year. It's going to be a long injury, and you're right. going to feel like you can drop him. But I think he's going to continue to have this production as long as he can be on the field and that he's shown that he can be a valuable weapon in that offense. Well, it's like what we talk about when you're making trades. Um, keep these players in mind because you can package them with another player when you're making a trade yeah. because the owner of him – may may want to free up roster space or something. They may not want to hold dead weight. So sometimes they're an easy catch in those yeah. situations. Well, particularly if they have another good tight end. Right. If someone has a Hunter Henry and, you know, that just worked out really well for them, that Hunter Henry came back and Will Disley is out, they may be a lot more willing to get rid of him. Yep. Right. Good point. Well, and I'm going to give a good comp, too, because I think Will Disley in his situation at the end of the year is going to remind me uh, similar to Cooper Cup situation. It seemed like people almost forgot – yeah. how productive and how good Cooper Cup was. I mean, we saw somebody in our league get rid of him. It's a 10-keeper league in, in one of our other leagues, and it's a 10-keeper, and he got rid of Cooper Cup. So it's really easy when somebody goes down for a year-long injury, at least yeah. if it's the last half. He also kept Corey Davis he over did. him. So. He, okay, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good point. But still, you see what I mean. That's, yeah. And that could definitely happen with Disley. Yeah. It's very easy to forget how much production he had in the first few weeks. So. Yep. Yep. Um, with that said, Luke Wilson now becomes somewhat fantasy relevant i'm not going to say he's going to be great or do what will disley did but luke wilson is an option that you may want to keep your eye on depending on what happens and then on top of that they also have ed dixon who looks like he's going to come back uh, in a few weeks so that may muddy the water a little bit but just keep an eye on that uh, moving on to the 49ers devo samuel is day-to-day with a groin injury uh, again don't know if you're starting him or anything but just you know something to see uh, Raheem Mostert did not practice Wednesday with a knee issue. He hasn't played much since Coleman and Breed is back, so really not a big issue there. And kind of a weird one, George Kittle did not practice on Wednesday for undisclosed reasons. I don't know if that was a personal issue. I don't know if that was an Why injury is issue. I don't know. Well, I think it's, it's Wednesday. Oh, okay. So, you know, if we had the injury report for today, hopefully we would know a little bit more. But that was just kind of strange, so definitely keep an eye on that. Moving on to the Texans, Hopkins and Fuller were both limited Wednesday. I think they're probably both going to go ahead and play, but, you know, something again, keep an eye on. For the Colts, Paris Campbell is out. The ab injury, same injury he's been out for for a while, so don't expect him back. Uh, the Titans, Delaney Walker had a limited practice, and he's about the only guy outside of uh, Derrick Henry that you're worried about in that offense. So if you, again, in this tight end landscape, if you have him, you've been okay. But What about Tannehill? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't think he's a streamable option or a startable? You don't. Ryan, what do you What do you Ryan think Tannehill? about Tannehill? What do we think? No, I I think he is basically going to do the exact same thing that Marcus Mariota did personally, but I think he's better than Mariota, but uh, or Mariota, however you want to say it, tomato tomato. Right. Um, I'm. I just I worry about their the way that they play the game. You know, there just seemed to be more of a defensive. You have a defensive-minded coach. Doesn't seem to be an explosive offense other than he likes to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, he throws some, but it's to set up the run, not the other way around. So, but I'm interested to see because I do believe yeah. Tannehill yeah. is better. I'm not it's, so sure that he couldn't you know, be the quarterback you drafted Mariota to be. I mean, I, oh, I agree with that. I mean, we draft Mariota to be what the Dak Prescott of old, the just the uh, high floorish. He's got kind of the, he's got he can still run. And he's still going to complete the ball. I mean, they're still going to move the ball. They're still yeah. an okay offense. So I, I don't think maybe we expect the ceiling that we hope for Mariota. But No, I don't think you're going to ever reach that ceiling with right. Tannehill. But I do think Tannehill could be better for the receiving options on that team. Right. Um, but we just don't know. We haven't seen it yet. Maybe Corey Davis is going to come out and be a star. <laughs> 
Maybe that uh, Cooper Cup drop will be worth it at the end of the year. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, okay, so the Jaguars, Josh Oliver is still questionable. Um, if you don't know who that is, he is their tight end who seems to be pretty athletic and looks like he would be a pretty good tight end if he could play. Rookie tight end. Rookie right. tight end, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was limited on Wednesday, so he is getting some practice in, but uh, nothing yet for sure. The Packers, basically the entire wide receiving core is injured right now. Um, Jeronimo Allison is out with a chest injury and a concussion. Devontae Adams has what is basically turf toe it sounds like they haven't really said that but that's what it seems like uh mvs did not practice on wednesday he could play it's possible but um he's probably the most likely to play out of them but it's not for sure and jimmy graham did not practice on wednesday so all that said alan lazard had a pretty good game uh last week and he, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but I think he's someone you can keep an eye on, um, especially in that offense that could really have a breakout here before too long. Um, okay, moving on, the Bills, Devin Singletary looks like he's going to make his return in week seven. Um, a lot of the talk was he probably could have went in week five, but they held him out just to make sure, and I hope that's true as a Singletary owner. I hope he's 100% healthy and we can count on him for the rest of the year. And then uh, John Brown was limited in practice on Wednesday, but I actually did see this morning that he practiced on Thursday. So it looks like he's going to play, but definitely keep an eye on it. And then lastly, for the Jets, Chris Herndon is still uh, questionable with that hamstring injury. Really nothing new that has developed on that. So, Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about the Panthers just a tiny bit, even though they're on bye this week. Um, they waived the wide receiver, Ray Ray McLeod, and I, although I'm sure he wasn't on your roster anyway. Uh, but he had six fumbles in the last three games, so that led to his departure um and of course cam newton as we kind of talked about at the first is is whoops starting to practice a little bit so uh we'll see how that uh, fares but uh, uh for the broncos uh drew lock is starting to uh practice again um or sorry he's getting he's moving moving along and rehabbing his thumb injury so it's it's doubtful he's going to get any playing time you know as long as joe flacco's pr- playing well but if you're in a dynasty league and you have Drew Locke, at least there's maybe some hope on the horizon that he'll see the field someday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, of course, retweaked his ankle for the Chiefs uh, in the last game. He's he's still expected to play, though. Sammy Watkins, uh, probably not going to play tonight, uh, is what, I, what I'm hearing. So for the Chargers, uh, they signed a or they promoted a new wide receiver, Jason Moore, uh, to the active roster. Um, on Saturday, October the 12th. So we didn't report this last week because he was he was uh, promoted after that, uh, after our last show. So uh, that was actually the day before they played the Steelers. And, of course, he wasn't utilized much, but late in the game he did have a couple of targets for 43 yards. The Chargers are, you know, they're kind of um, hurting for wide receivers because they keep having, uh, having them get hurt. So, you know, he's somebody to maybe keep an eye on. He's an undrafted free agent. Uh, but you know he if they might utilize him so I, I don't see him being a big breakout candidate I wouldn't go just dropping people to put him on your team unless you just really have the extra space you know to kind of take a flyer on him but anyway wanted to let everybody know that um, and of course the for the injuries as of Tuesday um, both uh, Andre Patton and Justin Jackson are still listed as questionable, and, but I doubt you're playing them anyway, so no big deal there. 
For the Dolphins, uh, Hakeem Grant is still listed as questionable. Alan Hearns is finally out of the concussion protocol. He played last week against the Redskins. He had two targets, two receptions, 16 yards. I'm sure everyone that had him uh, kicked themselves for not putting him in your lineup. But, you know, um, I doubt you'll be playing him anyway in the future because he's just too far down on the depth chart. The Patriots seem to be having a, a lot of issues with keeping their tight ends, wide receivers, fullbacks, and kickers healthy. <laughs> I mean, they just seem to be bit by the injury bug. Uh, they just rep- they just placed their second fullback on IR this year. Um, they signed uh, kicker Mike Nugent after placing Stephen Goskowski on IR. And of course, Nugent missed his only field goal attempt this past week. He made a couple the week before, but... He's only eight for nine on extra points, so he's not looking great. I I actually think um, Belichick is not pleased and uh, confident in him right now. So I wouldn't, unless you just really need a kicker, I wouldn't plan on uh, playing him or thinking that he's going to do what Guskowski did. So um, anyway, uh, on the tight end front for the Patriots, just eight days after releasing Ben Watson, the Patriots re-signed him to the active roster. They didn't want to release him in the first place, but they really didn't have the room. But then when Matt Lacoste was injured last Thursday against the Giants, with a he's got a sprained MCL, uh, they needed to bring somebody in, so they brought him back in, brought uh, Watson back in. He could actually be starting this week, um, and he's really not a bad play. So, I mean, if you just really need a tight end, there's so many of them that have been getting injured. Uh, he's probably worth picking up and playing. He's familiar with the offense. Uh, Brady likes him, uh, respects him quite a bit. In fact, Tom Brady was talking about how their lockers used to be right next to each other, and he just really liked him. So um, I could see him getting a lot of work. Well, that would be just like the Patriots, right? I mean, they get these guys like yeah. Antonio Brown, and everyone says, oh, you have to wait. You have to see what's going to happen, and he has this huge game. Right. The Patriots don't care. They just throw him in there and play, let him play. play. Belichick, you know, he just wants people who are intelligent, and Ben Watson seems to be pretty intelligent. Now, he's not, he's not as fast as he used to be, obviously. I mean, he, he couldn't make the roster behind all these other guys, but he still has something in him. So if, if he doesn't make mistakes, they'll get him the ball. Yeah. So – He'll score a few points for you. Uh, they also signed tight end Eric Tomlinson, but do not add him to your roster. He is not uh, a tight end with any fantasy value, so leave him alone. Philip Dorsett, Josh Gordon, Nikhil Harry all taking part in practice this week. Um, looking pretty good for all of them, actually. Uh, I'd like to see Nikhil Harry back out there. That'd be interesting. Of course, Philip Dorsett has been pretty productive when he's been out there, and we all know what Josh Gordon can do. Rex Burkhead still listed as questionable, so watch out there. Uh, for the Saints, uh, Jeff Duncan of The Athletic reported that Drew Brees believes that he is ahead of schedule in his rehab and is throwing a regular size football, or regulation size football. Uh, he's still listed out, of course, so you're not going to play him this week. Uh, Traquan Smith, wide receiver, is also still listed as questionable. Alvin Kamara, he's been limited in practice due to an ankle issue, and it doesn't sound like it's getting better, so... Um, you know, obviously uh, monitor that situation up until, you know, game time because there's yeah. no telling if he's going to play or not. Well, and I've also heard the term high ankle injury. They've yeah. not said the sprain. Right. They've said high ankle injury. But to me, that's even more concerning if it's high ankle and not low sure, ankle. Sure, sure. So even if he plays, uh, he could be very limited in his playing. And they're playing the Bears. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. The Bears. <laughs> So uh, the Raiders, uh, Dwayne Harris, he's a wide receiver. He's listed as questionable. 
uh, but he is expected to play. And just a reminder that the Raiders traded for Zay Jones. We talked about that in our last episode. Um, hopefully we'll be getting a look at how they're going to use him this week because he hasn't, you know, last week they were on a bye. And so this week we'll get to see how, they, how they're going to use him. Uh, you know, they also traded for Trevor Davis before and put him in immediately. So yeah. they don't have a choice. Uh, Their yeah. wide receivers are dropping like flies. They are. So as the next, you know, next one on the list here, Tyrell Williams, he still is, is questionable. So monitor that uh, could be interesting. Buccaneers, um, you know, fumble and you're out. Bubba Wilson was waived by the Buccaneers after his terrible performance on Sunday. Apparently the same rules do not apply <laughs> to Jameis Winston. So, you know. Anyway, uh, if you have uh, Bubba Wilson, you can drop him off your team. Wide receiver Brashad Perryman is listed as questionable, uh, but Greg Allman of The Athletic reported that Perryman could be cut from the team in order to help the Bucks gain positions and compensatory draft picks, which is mm. interesting. So uh, you probably don't, you probably wouldn't have Perryman on your team anyway, but if you do, it is safe to drop him as well. So that's interesting, though. I hadn't seen that. It yeah. kind of makes sense. He hasn't been very productive for them, and if that helps them with their draft picks. They are paying him a lot of money. Yeah. I forget how much it was. It's top of my head. I want to say it's $4 million or something. So, wow. yeah. So, more than you think. Yeah. They'll just give all that to Chris Godwin. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. He does. <laughs> all right. So, I'll kick us off with the NFC East. Um, so, Amari, Cobb, and Gallup. Actually, Amari and Cobb did not participate Thursday, and Gallup is limited. So, their wide receivers are also dropping like yeah. flies, which I think obviously hurts a Dak Prescott. But um, I'm not sure what you're doing with them this week. They're playing a very plus matchup against Philadelphia, but it's a division game. Yeah. So let's just monitor that. I think you monitor that. If if two of those three guys are in, you're starting the, all of them, I think. But Yeah, it seems like Cooper is maybe not going to play right. from what I've seen. Um, so on to Washington. Uh, Vernon Davis is questionable with concussion. I want to preface this by saying you're not starting any of these Washington guys this week against San Francisco. So Washington, or, uh, Vernon Davis, Adrian, Case Keenum, and Chris Thompson are all questionable. So Peterson was just for a veteran's day off, whatever. That's like a senior citizen discount or something, kind of like that. So, card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, something along those lines. So all those guys are questionable. Keep an eye on those guys. Um, on to Philadelphia. Deshaun Jackson is still day-to-day. Did not participate Thursday. Um, and he also plays on Sunday night, so I think you're taking a risk keeping him in your roster or um, wishful thinking that he may play Sunday. So you definitely need a different um, option just in case he's yeah. not in there. And Darren Sproles did not participate. I, I don't. He hasn't played the last few weeks, and he really hasn't been productive when he's been in there. So I'm yeah. not sure he's really a startable option at this point. Has helped Miles Sanders look a little better, though. It has. Jordan Howard's looking better, so I'm not sure where Darren Sproles will fit in yeah. there when he comes back. I'm sure they'll find a spot for him. They, they always will. do. Yes, um, to the Giants, Sterling Shepard, questionable with a concussion, and Saquon is finally back. So I think uh, Wayne Gallman's questionable, but as long as Saquon's in there, I think he's absolutely the bell cow. I think yeah. you guys probably yeah. agree. I don't think Wayne Gallman's going to be a startable option or any of the backups, really, as long as Saquon's in it there. It wouldn't surprise me if week one they maybe try to give him a few less carries, but just to yeah. kind of get him in the groove. But I, yeah, once I mean, he's he only back missed three fully, weeks, so yeah. And, yeah. um, I don't see it on here, but maybe you're going to talk about it. Evan Ingram is also yes. back this week. He's back. So. They're practicing. Yeah. Yes. We're going to talk about him a little later. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh's on by. Uh, Cincinnati, only one guy. A.J. Green is a non-participant. The word on the street is they're evaluating him day-to-day just to see on a basis of how his ankle responds. But I think from what we see or almost see from him, I don't think he expects to at least return 
for the next few weeks. So obviously keep an eye on him. I'm not sure where his mindset is. So um, uh, Cleveland's also on by. Uh, in Baltimore, it seemed like actually the last few weeks, Baltimore had a ton of guys on the injury report, but it looks like just Marquise is on for right now. So he's questionable with an ankle injury. Um, he did not participate Thursday, and he was out last week against the Bengals. So keep an eye on him. Um, and on to Chicago, uh, just one note on their offensive line. Um, they placed Kyle Long, one of their guards, on IR Wednesday. So I'm not sure what that does for David Montgomery's value. Um I think we're all like or wanting to see more volume out of him. We kind of had a higher expectation going into draft into the draft, so we'll see what they do moving forward. And when Trubisky finally comes back, so yep. Okay, sounds good. Let's get uh, moving on with our next segment. Uh, this is trending up, trending down. These are players that are that are trending. Uh, so keep an eye on them. I'll start uh, with Jamison Crowder, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Sam Darnold is back at quarterback. Yay. So in two games of this year with Darnold, Crowder has averaged 13.5 targets, 10 receptions, 98 yards per game, 98 and a half yards per game. In the three games without Darnold, he averaged 4.6 targets, 2.6 receptions, and 25 yards. Seems to be a little bit of improvement with with uh, Darnold there. Now I know there's it's only a two game sample size basically with Darnold, but Darnold's a difference maker. I mean we all agree he's a really good quarterback. Um, I just you know I expect. Jamison to continue to play well. In fact, I even believe this year, this week, sorry, against the Patriots, he could have a really good day. We talked about this before, but but like you said, Adam, we know they're you know uh, Patriots are going to key in on Lev Bell. We also know they're going to take out Robbie Anderson or at least try right with their with their double team the way they do. Uh, Jamison could be in for a good day. I, I don't think that the game is going to be as lopsided towards the Patriots as many people think. I think the Jets actually have a good shot at winning the game and at least staying in it. So it's going to be fun to watch. It'd be interesting. Yeah, my concern is if it is a close game, which I kind of agree, I think it will be. It's probably going to be a close, low-scoring game. So that helps with the Jamison Crowder guy, like you were saying, but a, a Robbie Anderson, I'm trying not to play those guys if possible i'd be scared to play robbie yeah. I, i'd maybe even be scared to play Lev bell a little bit but yeah, I, I don't think you have a choice but exactly yeah right okay i'll move on to my training up players uh, i have two this week the first one we've talked about him before Alden tate um he's looked good it's not like he's going out there and he's just receiving targets because he's a body out there he's actually looked like a pretty good wide receiver he does and his snap percentage, uh, week two was 36%, week three jumped to 89, week four was 91, week five was 100, and last week he was uh, down to 90%. So he's hovering around the 90% at this point. And, you know, as you talked about with A.J. Green's injury, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to trade him if they're comfortable with Tate as their wide receiver two option, with Boyd being their wide receiver one, and try to get back what they can for him. And, you know, that may be better for A.J. Green, too, to be on a team where he doesn't have to be the focal point quite as much and may help with that rehab. So, to me, if you can go get uh, Alden Tate, and I'm actually the owner in our Dynasty League, and even I didn't realize how good he has been until I went back and started watching some film and looking at his scores and stuff. So, I think people out there that own him maybe own him and haven't really been playing him, haven't been paying much attention, so you may be able to get him cheaper than you should. And then uh, my other guy, I kind of mentioned him already, but it's Alan Lazard. Um... Early in the year, you brought up Jake Kumaro as a mm-hmm. sleeper. And the reasons, the main reasons were Aaron Rodgers likes Jake Kumaro. Mm-hmm. He's a big target and he plays for the Packers. I mean, the Packers are just a good offense. So if you can get a piece of that 
that's all true of Alan Lazard as well. It is. He's 6'3", 225 pounds. This week, he's pretty much the only wide receiver that's going to play, it seems like. And so I just went and looked at his uh, player profiler. He has an 88% adjusted uh, speed score, meaning basically he's really fast for his size. 74% burst score, 73% catch radius, and he's a 61% college dominator and a 72% college breakout. College breakout and college dominator are the two top driving factors for whether or not a a wide receiver is going to do well in the NFL, and he's above the threshold on both of those. So on top of that, you have Aaron Rodgers talking him up and likes him. I think he's a really good target right now if he's out there on your waiver wire to go pick him up. And if you hit on him, you got him for basically free. If you don't hit on him, you cut bait in a few weeks and move on. Right. Yeah, so I just actually want to give a piece of note because we just talked about Dallas and Amari, and I just got an update that said he's preparing to play through the quad injury this week. Okay. So that's very positive news for the Amari owner and the Dak owner if he's going to play. So And the Cowboys fan. It is. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to mention that. Yeah, so my guy, we mentioned him a little earlier, but it's Luke Wilson. Um, I think we I put him in this trending up section because of, for obvious reasons, obviously, though number one tight end on that team who's had a fantastic offense so far this year and has probably the best statistical at least maybe fantasy statistical quarterback playing the game right now and russell wilson so he's luke wilson steps up as the tight end one for the seahawks i think the only questions are we really haven't he's been with the team since 2013 and we just haven't seen much from him in the past so i looked up his best year that he's had with them which was in 2014 he caught 22 balls for 362 yards and three touchdowns but you're right. He, we had talked about this a little bit earlier that he had some injury con- or injuries early in his career. So I think this is his maybe first opportunity to step up as the tight end one on a team that seems to really move toward that tight end more and more as Russell Wilson gets uh, yeah. further on in his career. So I definitely think I'm not sure that he's a guy that you start with confidence this week, but he's definitely a guy you go out and get and look and see what happens moving forward. So. Yeah, talking about, you know, the difference of Luke Wilson and not having a great time in the past, they just haven't used those tight ends in the past. I mean, they had, for a long time, they had Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett where they're receiving options, and then they had the running back, you know, whether it be Marshawn Lynch or whoever it was. That was kind of their offense. Well, they've changed now to where they're starting to rely on that tight end. So even though Luke Wilson hasn't had that yet, that doesn't mean he won't. And as we've seen time and time again with tight ends, it takes them a long time. So, you know, he starts young, doesn't do very well. Now that he's got some experience and, you know, been through it a little bit, maybe he'll have his, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to break out, but he'll be solid, right. someone you can actually play. And he just has lots of years with Russell Wilson. that They yeah. know each other, and I think that adds a lot of value to him. So, yeah, we'll see how they uh, use him moving forward, but we all know how thin the uh, tight end position yeah. has been this year. So he's definitely a stash guy, and I'm almost positive he's available in any of your leagues. So. Yeah, I think he probably is. All right. Let's move on to the trending down part of this segment. Adam, why don't you keep us going? Yeah, so I may make a few people mad about this one. I'm not sure, but my trending down guy is actually Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to start by saying, obviously, we're the dynasty guys. So we're talking about a dynasty aspect, or I am at least for Aaron Rodgers right now. And I think, and this is just my opinion of him, when I watch him, he's still a great NFL quarterback, but he just has not consistently put up the numbers that he has in the past. And and if I am the Aaron Rodgers owner, and this is advice to anyone that owns him, if if I had him, I'm trying to move him now. I think his name value and just the 
price you can get for him right now is going to be the highest that it's going to be. It seems that that team has moved in a direction with Lafleur there, which I didn't think they would when they started the season. I thought they were going to hand the reins to Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be throwing the ball all over the yard, but they seem to lean a little heavier on their run than they than I actually assumed they would. So yeah. he's currently the QB 11. Um, I kind of preface this by saying eight teams have had their buys. So uh, take that with, for what it's worth. So, yeah. But anyway, I just, I think, like I, to repeat what I said before, I just think it's a good time to try to get what you can out of him. And, and we can kind of discuss the quarterback position a little later, but he's definitely a trending down guy for me. Well, one thing you note here that you didn't bring up, but I think is also very important is they're winning. If they continue to win like this, just as we've seen with the Vikings and what's happening there with, you know, even though they have great wide receivers, they aren't necessarily using them. They're not going to change. And that I agree for fantasy. That's really scary because Aaron Rodgers has not had a huge game yet this year and they're winning. They're right. as good as they're going to do. Well, I'm glad you brought that also up because it reminded me that, you know, um, Devontae Adams, we have no idea what his timeline to return is. There's rumors that it wasn't just turf toe, that it's ligament damage. So I'm going to almost assume that Aaron Rodgers' value is not going to go up throwing to Lazard as good as Lazard of a wide receiver option may be. He's not the best option for Well, Aaron he's Rogers. not Devontae Adams. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that still is going to hurt Aaron Rodgers' value moving forward. So. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with Aaron is he can still go out and throw four or five touchdowns in right. a game. The problem is he's not throwing consistently yes. two or three is what we expected him to do. Right. So. Yeah, well, if you can move him for a first-round pick or or a wide receiver one or an RB one, and you play somebody like a Matt Stafford, are you really losing that much value? Yeah. I mean, right. and we can debate who's a good comp right now to him, but I just think he's almost moved himself into that category. Yeah, yeah. And if you watch him play, he just seems frustrated all the time. Like you can tell things aren't going the way that he wants, and typically he turns that around, but he hasn't this year. So it's it's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic to watch play out. Mm-hmm. All right, so my trending down player is uh, O.J. Howard, tied in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, he's he's been a bit of a dis- disappointment this year. You know, he's just not involved in much as much in the offense as, of course, we all want. Uh, you know, his coaches keep saying, yeah, we're going to get him more involved, but they're not. He's only averaging three targets per game. Now, that's, I think, game two, he had zero catches or zero targets, so... You know, he had a few more in the rest of the games. But, I mean, still, he had zero. So, you know, and even even the three targets per game, I think he's only catching a couple of those. So he's just, he's, he's just not producing. Um, you know, if you're really f- desperate for a tight end, you could still play him. I just I just wouldn't. Of course, you're not going to play him this week because he's on by. But be about the same production. It would be <laughs> yeah. about the same production. Uh, but, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, but uh, you know he he might be somebody if you know anyone in your league that is uh, a big OJ Howard fan that ha- believes you know has high expectations for him and you want to trade for somebody else, you know I I would do it. But anyway, let's well and to add to your point, it's a really frustrating thing because I I think when we watch him play, we see all the talent that he has. And, and we saw a few weeks ago how Byron Leftwich and I think Jameis Winston even came out and was talking about how they're really going to work on getting OJ the ball. And it almost feels like they're doing that to build up his confidence. OJ has struggled to catch the ball. They almost have to reassure him that they're going to be working him into the game plan. So yeah. I just think that, you know, if they're putting that out in the media, that they're going to be working the ball to him and it still just hasn't happened. 
I just think that the confidence isn't there right now. So that, that's the frustrating part. We see how talented he is and how great he can be, but it's just not there right now. Yeah. Well, you made a great point earlier today. We were discussing this. Uh, in fact, if you want to share it, that'd be great. But Well, so I don't necessarily want to compare it to other sports, but in every sport, there's a mental side of the sport. And the one, that, the comp that I have for this is you see these shooters in basketball. And basically the saying in basketball is shooter shoot. If you don't shoot, you cannot get in a groove. And we live in Oklahoma. We're Oklahoma City Thunder fans, or at least I am. You see these guys that are great shooters come to the Thunder, and they cannot hit a shot to save their life. And you just don't understand what the deal is. And the problem is they're not in a rhythm. They get thrown in there. Russell Will- or uh, Russell Westbrook drives in the lane, throws the ball out to them, and they miss the shot. And it's because they can't get in a groove. They're not comfortable. They're not used to that being there. When it's there, they kind of freak out. They're, they don't know what to do. So I wonder if the same thing is happening with O.J. Howard. He has no confidence, and he's not getting targeted. So when he does get targeted, it's almost like, oh, there's a football right there, and it surprises him, and he doesn't know what to do, and he either drops the ball or you know, he's not in the right position to have a yard-after-catch situation or anything like that. So it's interesting, and I, I don't know if this is happening, but I could see it where you know it, it's not just a confidence thing. It's a... I don't want to call it a lack of focus, but just not being in the groove. You know, you overthink everything and you, you just really get in your own head. Yeah, not getting in the rhythm. And I think we talked like we would like to see them target him, you know, for at least two or three games in a row. Hey, give him seven or eight targets. Let's see what he can do and let's see if he can start catching them and get in the rhythm. Then if you back his target off a little bit. You know, maybe he'll still produce. Yeah, because he's, he's he's comfortable. With yeah, that. he's he's feeling it. He's anyway, thinking instead of playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolute problem. But we but we haven't seen that happen yet. So right. yeah, even though they keep saying they're going to, even though they keep talking about it. Okay, so we'll move on to mine. Mine is kind of the low hanging fruit here, but it's the Titans. Um, pretty much everyone aside from Derrick Henry, obviously Marcus Mariota. You're pretty much done with him at this point. Um, but as we talked about, this is going to be interesting to see how this affects the wide receivers and the tight ends here. I think Delaney Walker is probably trending down because him and Mariota had that connection. Um, And A.J. Brown seemed to kind of be getting that connection as well. But, you know, to me, I don't trust them right now like I would. But there's a possibility that with Tannehill, they have a better chemistry and get better. We just don't know that. So right now, I would say they're trending down. But who knows what happens in the long run? And someone may agree those guys may be good trade targets. Yeah. Maybe they can yeah. get them for absolutely dirt cheap, you know, absolutely nothing. So, Great segue, Adam. Yes. Let's move on to our <laughs> trade targets uh, section. So, Eric, why don't you keep us going with this one? Okay, my trade target is one of my favorite players, uh, partly because I have him, but partly just because I like him. It's DJ Moore. Um, he's been really consistent this year. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is. He is the number 21 wide receiver on the year, and he has one touchdown. You have to assume that he's going to have more than one touchdown per six games played. And if that's the case, he's only going to get better. He's got a very uh, young, inexperienced quarterback that's throwing him the ball. And he's also very young and inexperienced. I think he's 22 years old. So you've got this guy who has shown that he has the potential and is in an offense that's getting more consistent. But I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is so far. And I think you may be able to get him right before the breakout happens because it could be happening any week now. So to me, if you can go out and get DJ Moore, I'm I'm on board. I think you could give up a lot for him and you would probably be okay with it. Oh, I definitely agree. Yeah, so I'll move on to this guy. 
Um, we've talked about him in the past a little bit, but my guy's Joe Mixon. <laughs> He's a hater, yeah. but but that's okay because here's the thing with Joe Mixon, and I'm I'm actually talking. Well, obviously, we're in Dynasty again, so we're talking about this guy's long term value. I I want to preface this by saying that this year I think it's going to get worse before it gets better with that team. You know, you talked about the Rams' offensive line. This team rivals how poor that offensive line is. I mean, yeah. whether it's injuries, guys just moving in and out of the lineup. I mean, you look at the injury report, and they've got three offensive linemen every single week that are all, that are questionable or not. Well, and playing. they also don't have McVay, right? Which that's a good point. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they've got a first-time head coach. That yeah. We just have no idea what they're going to do. And exactly, he Mixon is averaging eight points per game. I mean, I think before the season, if you tell me that, yikes! Yeah, you're not taking him where yeah. his ADP is. Not anywhere close. And you know, as someone who has him in a keeper league, I could see somebody coming to me and trying to steal him from me. So that's exactly why I think he's a great trade target. I think things are only going to get better for him. Like you mentioned before, they've got a brand new head coach who's definitely an offensive-minded guy. So I certainly think that works in his favor. And obviously, they're gonna—they're the armpit of the league right now, so they're going to have high draft picks. I could almost see them taking another offensive line when they took yeah. an offensive lineman 11th overall last year out of Alabama the year before with their first round pick. They took an offensive lineman there who was their left tackle. I mentioned him here. Um, actually, I can't remember his name. right. Oh, uh, Cordy Glenn. But anyway, he's also injured this year. So they've got first round talent at the, on the uh, offensive line position, but they just can't get him healthy. So yeah. I think definitely looking to his future value, he's going to be an awesome option. I mean, yeah. they're going to move the football. It's just gonna how you're gonna have to ride out the wave. So definitely, if if I'm looking at somebody, and they drafted Joe Mixon, and they and they either um, either are frustrated by him, or maybe they don't need him. Maybe he's working in and out of their flex. Definitely go get him. I yeah. mean, I definitely think this is gonna be the lowest his value is ever gonna be. We see the talent from him. He can catch the football. I th- you had mentioned a stat earlier that I didn't write down, but just I think what was in the last two weeks he's only ran out on twenty routes or yeah. something. And in comparison to Lev Bell, it was double that amount or in, in a week. In a week, yeah, yeah. So it's just obviously that thing is gonna that's gonna work in Joe Mixon's favor. So yeah, the thing about Joe Mixon too is Andy Dalton is his quarterback, and it's not going to get much worse from there. And from a dynasty's perspective. Uh, you know, they could end up getting someone that's a lot more productive as a quarterback, and that's only going to help Joe Mixon's production. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the next segment. Uh, we have a player here we want to talk about. This segment's called Freaking Out. So we're going to talk about Jameis Winston, quarterback, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last week, he was 30 for 54, 400 yards, one touchdown, two fumbles, which he only lost one, which is great. But then, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say quarterback in name only. Five, yeah. <laughs> That's not his name tag. Yeah. But he ended all that with five interceptions. Wow. How can he go from awful the first week to pretty good for four weeks in a row and then drop a stink bomb like this one? I don't know. He seems to make some progress for a few weeks, and then it's back to poor decisions. You know, he made a lot of poor decisions this past week. Um, I watched the game and then rewatched it, and it was like it was it was just crazy. You know, there there was not all the interceptions are his fault. I'll give him that, but most of them were, and it just doesn't seem like he's making that mental progress that we all hoped. I think he still has the potential to put up some big numbers, but how long is he going to last? You know, I mean, Bruce Arians is going to stick with him right now because he really doesn't have a better option, but. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? Go well, ahead. 
I'll go ahead and start this by saying too that we've never actually mentioned this on air, but this is uh, Tim and I have a little wager on the outside of this, talking about basically comparing Dak Prescott and Jameis Winston. And actually, to be honest, they're pretty compare. They're pretty comparable. But I I say that to say that by you basically telling us, you know, how awful he's been, it's almost like we had such high expectations for this guy. I mean. How much better weapons can they possibly provide for him? I mean, you know, obviously they could provide a better offensive line, a better running game, but he's got the best offensive weapons in the game. So I think the really frustrating thing, to reiterate what you're saying, is Jameis Winston looks to improve. I mean, he has one of the best offensive-minded head coaches of all time. He's proved it over and over again that he takes quarterbacks. He's the quarterback whisperer, as they say. But... For whatever reason, he's not whispering to Jameis Winston or he's not listening. So I think I definitely agree with you that that is the frustrating part that even if his stats seem to show up, what you're watching is hard to watch. So I think that's the frustrating part for me. But what do you think? Yeah, so (laughs) Jameis Winston. (laughs) I'm not a huge Jameis Winston fan, Um, not necessarily just because of his fantasy side. I mean, he obviously has a lot of upside, but. I tend to believe that if you're a bad quarterback in the NFL, eventually that's going to catch up to you fantasy-wise. And he's a bad quarterback in the NFL right now. Anybody that throws five interceptions in one game is a bad quarterback. Um, And like you said, he does have really, really good weapons as far as receiving goes. The thing is, you also have seen this with other people that Bruce Arians has coached. When he was at Arizona, his first year with Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer threw, I think it was 16 interceptions that... which. Granted, if you do five a week, you're way higher than 16, but he threw a lot of interceptions that year, and I don't know if it's the process the quarterback has to go through to hit their reads, but this is something that has been proven that happens with Bruce Arians quarterbacks. They throw interceptions until they get used to that offense, but this is a little different scenario because Jameis Winston has always thrown interceptions, so it's really hard to know if it's Jameis, if it's Bruce Arians, if it's a little bit of both. I personally am not a big Jameis fan, and I haven't been, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be good. I can see a path for him still to be a top five quarterback. Um, I know you're kind of a, you're probably the highest on Jameis out of the three of us. So, I mean, what do you think? I had the most optimism for him. I still think he's got a lot of talent. I just don't see him learning. I don't see the progress, and that's what frustrates me with the whole thing. And so... You know, if you if you have him on your dynasty team, which I do, but luckily I've got somebody named uh, Oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in front of him, so I'm I'm okay. But you know, let's say you don't. Let's say you have. Let's say you drafted, you know, Drew Brees or Cam Newton, and then you picked up Jameis as an as your option. You know, your second quarterback. Now now what do you do? You know, do you do you stick with with Jameis? I mean, he, you know, if he comes up against a better matchup, he could have a, he could throw for four or five touchdowns in a week. I mean, he still has a, to me, a really high ceiling. Yeah. But his floor is just bottomed out. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to move on from him because I still feel like he has talent, but I'm, I'm less optimistic than I was. Well, I mean, you just look at this stat line. 30 for 54, 400 yards. Right. That sounds pretty good outside of the interceptions. interceptions. If he could just keep that down to two, he's going to be a startable asset. I mean, right. he, he threw five interceptions and had two fumbles. Of course, he only lost one of them and still scored 17 points in our yeah. league of record. Right. And he had one touchdown. Right. 
So if he keeps that to two interceptions with two touchdowns and 400 yards, he's really good. Yeah. So it, it doesn't take a lot of tweaking for him to get there, which is why he's such an interesting person to try to project. Yeah, but so here's a good question. If you have him and you have Gardner Minshew, who are you starting? I mean, who are you more confident in starting? It depends on the matchup. Yeah. If um, I need a home run, I'm going with Jameis. If I need, you know, if I think I'm going to win by 20, I probably start Gardner, right. knowing that he's probably going to get you 15 or 20. I mean, even or a Daniel Jones type, like... I mean, I definitely see with Gardner Minshew, the floor feels like it's higher than Jameis is, but the ceiling definitely isn't there. So, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think if you can move Jameis, if you ha- if you're in a situation where you have Drew Brees and you have Jameis, I can't see you not panicking at this point. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, you're <laughs> panicking, but again, he threw five interceptions right. and still scored 17 points. I mean, that's not great, but it doesn't kill your team that week, right? Well, and we've had this, we debate this all the time, but he came out of the draft and Mariota's draft. And I see those two as eerily similar. I mean, we talked about Gabbert coming back. I'm not so sure Jameis is going to finish out the season. And we talked about this before the season. And basically, you know, with our discussion, we were like, well, if they bench Jameis, then it's almost, he must be absolutely horrible if they bench him for him. So right. anyway, I, anyway, I, I just preface that by saying I would be absolutely, I'm, I'm frustrated with Jameis. And I, I felt like I was almost the lowest on him, so... I definitely expected more out of him, but it's a long season, so. Well, yeah, and to, to go back to our segment title, you know, freaking out, I mean, it's understandable if you are, and it would be understandable if you want to try to move him or, you know, to somebody that may may have higher optimism about him like I do, but it, it's also, I don't think, a bad decision just to hold on to him, if you, if you, especially if you can't get anything of value for him. Just hold on to him and just see what happens. You know, write it out. Okay, so I, I want to play the, the name game here. Let's throw a few options out there and see where you guys are at. Jameis or Matt Stafford? I'm taking Stafford. but I'm, I'm, st- I'm talking in a dynasty. Yes, I'm You're- still taking Stafford, and here's why. Uh, go, you can answer too. But the reason, the reason I, and another reason I'm so low on Jameis is because He's in the fifth year of his contract, and they still haven't signed him. Even the team doesn't believe in him. So here's the thing. if you That's why I mentioned his wide receiver weapons before. Because say that he moves to, I don't know, um, Atlanta. I, I have no idea. They have, they have good wide receiving core. I don't see him being better anywhere else no. than he is right now. His, his fantasy value right now, he threw 54 passes. Do you think he's going to throw that on another team not named the Bengals? I mean, so that's, I guess, my point with Jameis. It's, yeah. He's almost reached, if he cannot get rid of his woes with the turnovers he's almost reached as far as he can reach in my opinion so. yeah so so my answer is goes back to what we talked about a while ago about the about the you know the ceiling for Winston because I don't see Stafford in the system he's in now throwing four or five touchdowns in a, in a week you know I see two three on a good week yeah so if if I have a team with like a Mahomes or a Watson or somebody like that who I know can get me those high weeks and I need him for a buy re- replacement or something like that, then I'm going to probably keep Winston because I want to swing for the fences. So, you know, I, and I'm not a huge Stafford fan. So, I mean, it's really not fair for me to, to say that. And, of course, as we know, I still believe in Winston – Less than I did, but okay. So I'm going to throw a few more out there. Sure, okay. You guys can just uh, just throw it, throw out your answer quick. Uh, Matt Ryan, obviously better, but older. I would. You would take I Matt would Ryan. Take him. 
I think it would depend also on your team makeup, but I think I'm taking him. I still think Matt Ryan has four-ish at least good yeah, years. Yeah, that's him, fair. So. Tim? I think it depends on your team okay. again. Yeah. Okay, last one, Kirk Cousins. Gosh, that's a really hard one. Uh, I'll keep Jameis. Yeah, I think I would take Jameis. I over think I Kurt. would as well. I, I just don't see Kirk Cousins having a really yeah. a ceiling at all, and right. he doesn't have a great floor yeah, either. I agree. Okay, well, let's move on to the next segment. This is our uh, last segment. We um, we talk about kind of forecast uh, players that are you know gonna gonna have uh, good weeks, bad weeks, and uh, good weeks that may seem ugly at first. But anyway, <laughs> this segment is called the good, the bad, and the ugly, and we're gonna start with the good. Obviously, this is uh, players who we feel like are gonna have a good week, you know, better than usual. So, Eric, why don't you get us kicked off on this? Okay, so my good player this week is Jared Goff. He has had a terrible week last week. I think he actually had negative points in a lot of uh, uh, leagues. Uh, but he's playing the Falcons, and he has, or the Falcons, excuse me, here's their average line for the last four weeks 326 yards and 3.25 touchdowns to the opposing quarterback. And that includes games against Marcus Mariota, no longer a starter and Jacoby Brissett, who has been good, but not incredible. If Jared Goff gets half of that, you're probably okay, and I expect him to get much more than that. Um, he has, we were talking about weapons with Jameis, he has maybe the best wide receiving core in the nation, and he has good running backs. He just has a bad line. So I think this week could be a really good week for him, even though he's been down this year. All right, excellent. Adam? Yeah, so this is a guy we talked about earlier, but Evan Ingram, he was back in practice, and he's also playing 32nd-ranked uh, defense against opposing tight ends. So I think you definitely look for him to bounce back off the injury and uh, have a huge week for you. I hope he does. <laughs> so my guy is Leonard Fournette this week, uh, running back Jacksonville Jaguars. I think we all know who he is. Um, do you guys know who allows the most rushing yards by opposing running backs? I do because I'm looking at it, but I didn't before that. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, they've allowed on average over 180 yards per game. And they uh, rush for the least. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So do uh, you guys know who Fournette's playing this week? I have a guess. <laughs> Cincinnati. So Fournette rushed for 225 yards against the Broncos. Now, the Broncos have, have improved since then, so they, they weren't playing their best at that time. But the Broncos only were only averaging 111 yards allowed per game. So... I mean, we're talking about an extra 70 yards on the, for a guy who had 225. So I'm not saying he's even going to rush for 225 yards again, but I think he's got a very realistic chance of hitting 200. I really do. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's move on to the bad. Adam, won't you get us kicked off on this? Okay, Tim's not going to like to hear this, but... <laughs> My bad guy for the week is Melvin Gordon. Hey, he scares me too. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. We're not scared about his talent. We're definitely not questioning that. But he's playing right. against Tennessee, who's ranked eighth against opposing running backs. And he just has a few things, a few question marks that work against him. Obviously, his um, timeshare with um, Austin Eckler, we have questions about. We don't know what they're going to do moving forward. And we just have no idea how his body feels after finally coming back. You know, he didn't play for, what, four or five weeks. And it's just a different thing, getting into game shape. So... And, yeah, I just think playing Tennessee this week off their quarterback change also adds a little bit of sort of hype to the Titans. Yep. So I think both those things are playing against him. So definitely temper expectations for Melvin Gordon. But I definitely see 
the uh, the opportunity to start him as a low and flex option. I mean, he's definitely a startable option. Just don't expect too much out of him. Yep. Okay. So uh, my bad player of the week is Adrian Peterson. Actually had him as my good player of the week last week. Uh, but this is a completely different situation. So now they're uh, facing San Francisco th- this week. The 49ers dun, are, dun, dun. yes, <laughs> very good against the run. Uh, you know, they they uh, allowed, I think, 75 yards to Ronald Jones. Uh, Joe Mixon. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Mixon had 11 carries for 17 yards in week two. James Conner, 13 carries for 43 yards in week three. Uh, of course, they were on a buy in week four. Nick Chubb. 16 carries for 87 yards, but no touchdown. And then Malcolm Brown, 11 for 40, uh, along with Daryl Henderson, 6 for 39, zero touchdowns. So I just I don't see um, Adrian Peterson getting much this week at all. I also just want to throw another one in here, a special mention for Allen Robinson. Not so special mention, I guess I should say. <laughs> uh, he's, of course, wide receiver for the Browns. I'm sorry, the Bears. Uh, facing the New Orleans Saints, Marshawn Lattimore. You know, Lattimore has held Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and DJ Chark to almost nothing the last three weeks. So Robinson could be in for a very tough week. Yep. Okay, and my bad player this week is Cortland Sutton. Uh, Cortland Sutton has had a really good year so far, and, you know, he's playing the Chiefs this week. And when I hear someone is playing the Chiefs, I automatically think that's a favorable matchup. Stardom. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what it goes through your mind. Right. Uh, but they've only allowed one receiver to go over their 100-yard mark this year, and that was DJ Chark in week one, and no one knew who he was or what he was going to become. So I kind of throw that one out. Um, the rest of the year, the leading receiver against them has averaged 62 yards and about five catches, and only one time has that actually been a wide receiver. Most of the time it's a tight end. So... Cortland Sutton this week, I would not expect for him to hit those marks that he's been hitting. I think he's going to have a bad week. Okay. So now we uh, come to the last part of this segment called The Ugly. These are players uh, we want to reiterate that are uh, may not look great in your lineup. You're, you're kind of like, ah, I hate to put him in there, but we really feel like they're probably going to have a decent week. So, Adam, who you got? Okay, so <clears throat> this is kind of a tough situation because I was actually just <laughs> – just further thinking upon this. But I'm going to stay with the same guy, or the Bronco, Denver Broncos. So Royce Freeman, he's faced, they're actually, they may be great against wide receiver ones or outside wide receivers, but they're ranked 26th against um, opposing running backs. Here's the dilemma with him. He plays on a Thursday night, and he's typically a flex option. But I think this matchup and his ability, I mean, he's averaging around 10-ish points per week. I definitely think, and I definitely advise you put him in your RB2, <clears throat> slot you know I obviously I wanted to mention that but um, I definitely think he has a good week this week they're using him more in the passing game and obviously in PPR formats he's a good start this week I think it's a smart play um, we've seen the last two weeks that the you know the the formula for beating the Kansas City Chiefs is to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands how you do that you run the ball yeah. right so I feel like that's probably what Denver's going to try and do both both with Freeman and Lindsay, but you know, Freeman's Freeman's probably not the one you're starting as much as Lindsay. So, you know, definitely a good start in the ugly category. Well to compound on that, I just wanted to throw this out there. When you see Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay on the same team, and then you watch who has had success against the Chiefs, it's the Royce Freeman type of running back, not the Philip Lindsay type of running back. It's that bruising running back that gets five yards a carry, doesn't necessarily break a long run. 
but he can grind them down and keep that offense on well their offense on the field the chiefs offense off the field those are the guys that succeed so as a philip Lindsay owner it would not surprise me at all if royce freeman actually had the better week just because of the way that they're trying to make that game work yeah right well, and I mean, like I was saying earlier, he's averaging nine points a week, and he has yet to score a touchdown this year. I mean, give him nine points and a touchdown, that's a great week a for good running yep. back. So. Yep, I would take it. So my ugly player is somebody that uh, Eric's already brought up uh, just a little while ago, Jared Goff. And I've got him in this section because you might be out there thinking uh, he hasn't played that well, you know, all year, and... Maybe you just don't want to put him out there. You know, last week he was 13 of 24 for 78 yards and zero touchdowns. I mean, that was pretty poor. But that was against San Francisco 49ers. This week he faces the Atlanta Falcons. We've already talked about them. They give up a lot of points. Um, you know, as opposed to San Francisco and, well, in yards, who only San Francisco allows an average of 150 pass yards per game. Atlanta allows almost double that at 271. So, you know, the, the Rams – have to be looking to get back on track. Just as we talked about earlier, they may not have Gurley, Malcolm Brown's, you know, banged up. So they may try to get the, you know, air the ball a little bit more. Um, I think they need to give, get golf a little more confident as well. So I look for uh, all of their wide receivers probably to have a good game. And uh, I just feel like he's a very safe play. Yep. Obviously I agree. You do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and uh, this is the ugly segment, and sometimes it feels like insert Bill's player here, and that kind of works, so <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with Cole Beasley. Um, speaking of Miami, he's playing Miami, and uh, you know I have here enough said, and he's playing Miami. You right. know, you start all your players against Miami, but he has over 10 fantasy points in three of the last five games, and he's coming off of a bad week where he had 3.6 points, which is the lowest score of the year. I'm sure he's not happy with that, and he'll look to improve on that, and basically it's like taking candy from a baby playing against the Dolphins, so I feel like Cole Beasley's going to have another you know, 10 or 12 fantasy points and be solid for you. I could see it. All right, well, great. Well, that uh, wraps up our show. Do you guys have any uh, last comments? No, we're kind of getting to the doldrums of uh, fantasy where the shine has worn off and we're not yet to the playoffs, so keep in. Uh, keep staying connected and trying to figure out, you know, good roster moves and stuff like that. Because a lot of times this is when people give up, and it's exactly what yeah. you don't want to do. You don't. You can be. Um, what are we? We could be. You could be one in five right now, or right. something, and and still make the playoffs. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, anything can happen. Leagues are it's, not one and lost at the draft. They're one and lost typically on the waiver wire and through trade targets. So now is the time to yeah. be moving and the teams that could be blowing everybody away in your league could have an injury or two and yeah. you're right back in Absolutely. it so yeah keep plugging away all right well uh good luck to everybody that's a wrap for our show today thank you for listening to our podcast we'd love to hear from you please send us an email at dynastyguysff at gmail.com that's dynastyguysff at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter at dynastyguysff Thanks again for listening. Please join us on our next podcast. See ya. Have a good week. Appreciate it.